0: Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kavi Kavusi, and I'll be discussing a diverse array of subjects that span from my experiences in the emergency room to the furthest reaches of the universe. I'll be hosting guests, inviting illuminating conversations that at times may challenge ways of thinking or being, while also nurturing curiosity, meaning, and awe into life. Please consider subscribing, liking, saving, or sharing this podcast with any of your friends or family if it feels right for you. Thank you for taking the time. Let's dive into the podcast. Hey everyone, this is the Layered Prescriptions podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kaveh Kavusi. This is a solo cast, and from time to time, in between having amazing guests, people that I hold in high regard and hold near to my heart, I have conversations that initially originate with myself and i'm there's some that are really important stories or things that have happened to my life that i feel that's important points of reference that for example if my children were to listen to this podcast at some point i know that this would bring up particular things that maybe they would make associations on oh yeah that's one important moment in my daddy's life i don't have children yet so this is one of those speaking before moments now, I regularly journal out loud and I use a voice to text feature on my phone that ends up capturing a lot of thoughts that I'll later come back to. Over the past 18 months, I've been doing these monthly sections that I go to and then I reflect upon, not as effectively as I'd like in truth, but I think that this is an opportunity that in this podcast on solo casts, I can come on to certain subjects that really resonated that I feel would be important to share with individuals. And what I'm going to share is today is something that I did receive consent for sharing before, and it's the story of an individual that's very close to my heart who's going through a very difficult life experience that can potentially end his life. And yeah, we all know COVID, and I know COVID well. I think over 60% of my practice has where I've been on my own independent in the ER has been during the COVID experience. I want to say it's done, but there's still remnants of it. But I feel into it just as I'm even discussing the layers of what I went through and then what I'm going to share, because that's the type of impact it has on me. When you're seeing patients in the ER, there is this capacity that you develop to create a space, a separation between them where you're the physician and they're the patient. And there's this veil of separation that allows you to be effective in supporting them without having too much of yourself hijacked i have found that as you practice your capacity to alleviate that separation you can have the human within you meeting the human within the patient and having those two meet and there's this beautiful quality of connection that has more compassion empathy consideration and the person who's on both sides feels seen heard acknowledged and understood to a greater degree by a human And I just I hope obviously that the competency stays high in those moments but I feel that like the human quality is a necessity to be there and it's almost a tragedy when it's not but it's quite easy to have that separation maintained in most days and you're not feeling hijacked and I've learned to demonstrate my humanness even in the face of some pretty difficult times that have happened over the past now, I guess, four and a half years, almost five years that I've been working in the ER after med school and residency was completed. Now, in March of 2022, one of my close friends messaged me and he said, he "Messages me and he says, I've had COVID for three weeks now, I think, and the, I, have, I have fever and I've got a back pain as well. Is that normal? And I'm like, that doesn't sound normal. COVID, you can have one to two weeks fever. But if there's something else that came about during that, that that's something that at least merits a little bit more investigations. You can have secondary infections. You can have alternative things happening. But he's also telling me about this back pain at the time. So I'm like, my dude, I'd really like you to go get that checked on. There was a little bit of hesitance, believing that it's still just the remnants of COVID, but eventually he did go and get checked. And unfortunately, he found that it was a tumor in a muscle on his back. Yeah, so I, as a friend who's living on the opposite coast of him, but having some medical knowledge, some, end up thinking that I'm going to be my support for him as best I can. And so as he was going through the process of investigating it, dealing with some of the symptoms that were coming up, it was found that it was a metastatic tumor, meaning it was a tumor that had come from somewhere else and was now there. And those have more significance to the prognosis in many cases. The intervention can be different. The treatments that are available are different. The severity and timeliness are all things that are considered when someone has a diagnosis of metastatic cancer. And when I first heard that this was the case i was i think i feel like i was living in kind of a daze with how i was experiencing the hospital as well too and i was frustrated because i wanted to go and support my friend not necessarily being the solution for it but being there and support and so because i wasn't able to go out there i was really grateful that he confided in me to in some of the like when the radiologist would have an interpretation on the imaging the biopsy results what investigations he was going to undergo, how eventually when oncology was involved and they were considering treatments, what steps to go. I felt the depth of trust in him confiding in me. And when you're dealing with malignancy and you're dealing with any stories that can impact someone's life, what I was acknowledging within him and within myself at times, was this breakthrough veil of separation that was dissolving in my mind of the story of mortality. And he doesn't fit the construct in my mind of someone who I'd expect to potentially die. He's younger than me. He has young children. He has a wife. He has a life. And I thought he's got a lot of life as well, too. And he very well can, at the time of recording this, there are stances that are unknown, but he is alive and fighting. If that, I didn't want to leave anyone on too much of a cliffhanger. We leveraged too much anticipation, but that's not the important point here. As his treatment and investigations were ongoing, the dialogue of it, sorry, the decision was made to have surgery and chemotherapy and he was in dialogue with me on what he felt would be the best way and I felt that I was in agreement with what the procedure was what the intervention was going to be and in truth my friend is very well versed in understanding chemotherapy he had done his research as many people do when they're exposed with possible things that can impact their quality of life or the life and longevity of it. And he um, he brought me upon a book by Travis Christofferson that we read in 2019 called Tripping Over the Truth, which describes the origins of chemotherapy, chemo medications, and a lot of interventions and how they are utilized in treatment, what seems to be effective and undeniably useful in not just shrinking cancer, but treating it, and potentially alleviating remission. And when he got this diagnosis again, he started applying the principles of what was found in this book, namely restricted ketogenic diet. I believe he considered hyperbaric oxygen therapy because the argument is, and chemotherapy leverages all the, in in many ways, it leverages the treatment arms on affecting the, metabolic pathways of cancer because cancer is these aggressive cells that are selfish and don't care about the rest of the cells and listening to the harmony and balance of the rest of the cells it just wants to treat itself it is like that individual at the start of covid who heard there might be no toilet paper and then bought all of the toilet paper not caring about the rest of the people's need to wipe their own asses anyway hope that person is lowering their stockpile or maybe have shared it by then but anyway cancer does that and so when you can cut the arms of selfishness that it prioritizes metabolics going through them there are potential for starving the cancer cells and hopefully not stressing the cells that are not cancered in a way that they can finally recuperate themselves in our own metabolics and immune system, come back on in a way that it can isolate, address, treat, and resolve cancer. He decided to do that first in conjunction with subsequent oncology suggestions of surgery and then chemotherapy and as he was going through this I was seeing how like the beauty of technology how his family was doing at the time winter was coming around and the his young children were hitting the slopes mountain they were snowboarding and it was so beautiful to witness because they that's something that him and his wife had taught their children and they're these young little renegades riding the mountain they're in their mystery they're timeless and they're not thinking of consequences and just immersing themselves meanwhile on the flip side their father is concerned and mindful of all the consequences and the being confronted with a lot of the existential stuff and so when i he ended up having surgery and the surgery the timeline doesn't matter the surgery was done and then he started doing chemotherapy and the by this time he was completely almost immobile as a result of the pain he was analgesic dependent meaning pain medication dependent of various forms both prescribed and readily medically available goes like in, in that are available in cannabis to help treat the pain and his tumor he got the bad news that the tumor had persisted despite the surgery that they did to try and remove as much of it as possible and there was malignant fluid that was remnant this was very devastating to him because he was under the impression that the surgery had completely removed it and now it's just the chemo that was going through the rest of it by this time he went down from roughly 185 pounds to close to 120 pounds and it was something that I could feel when I would speak to him. Again, with the beauty of technology, I was able to FaceTime with him regularly. I was reflecting regularly on, if I was a man in his position, where would be my challenges? And I was thinking, my goodness, if because I play the role of doctor so much, if I can, if I couldn't have my output productivity doing, the places that I come to know myself as a man, according to society's definition and the ones that I, the conditions that I've taken upon myself, how devastating and challenging that could be, especially when you have people who are dependent on you. And uh, earlier on, which I hadn't mentioned, in his prognos- in his diagnosis, I had organized a fundraiser in order to help get some money to him, in order to help the family. I didn't think it would take this long or be as significant. A part of me believed that, yeah, he's going to, it's going to be treated and he's going to get through this and it's going to be, we're moving right, we're moving right along. But at the time of recording this, it's been a year. And fast forward to Christmas time, roughly, I started having discussions with some of the men that are in our circle of friends. And these are men that I'm very grateful to have in my circle. These are men that I would trust to have the children that I don't have be in their presence as guides, supports, men. And that's a really strong testament to the caliber of men that I'm speaking of. And so the dialogue was starting to happen because when I was speaking with my friend, his cancer had been still responding to the chemo. What was the tumor markers were starting to go down. But the quality of impact of the chemo on him was having its toll, so he was unsure if he'd be able to come across the country and join us. I organized, nonetheless, a gathering at my cottage, and there were 10 men of the 20 that I'd invited that were able to make it. And my one of friend I'm speaking of here who has the metastatic cancer was unable to join. And we had him in mind. We had him in prayer. We had him in our thoughts. In our intentional activities that we were doing, we did a uh, certain intentional experiences where we were around the fire and we were doing certain intentions that we wanted to burn and ask for the fire's support. And this may not make any sense to anyone, but that's okay. We put words out for ourselves, for our loved ones, for the world, and then some specific ones that we knew about of people who could use extra hands and maybe some of the ineffable support like the war, the support that we can't speak of but it's energetic right after this amazing gathering of these men that all felt and are very close with this friend of ours who's currently afflicted with cancer i had set up to go to a medical conference in whistler it was called the update in emergency medicine i booked my flight And it was February 24th to March 1st of 2023. I was looking at the trip and something was knocking within me saying, this trip that you're going to educate yourself with medicine doesn't seem like the priority. There's something else that's a priority. I still had stories within me that justified, no, he's going to be there. I can go check on him another time. I need to keep my credits up. I really want to go snowboarding. It was very self-serving things, but I kept feeling this knock and it became an undeniable knock that the priority is not to go to the conference, even though there's so much of things that would nourish me that would be there. I'm like, there's a deeper layer and maybe a more confronting aspect if I'm to go there for the things that truly matters. Because at the end of the day, like if you are putting all of your efforts towards your occupation and accumulating your resources but you're not prioritizing connection well i think it's an opportunity to reconsider what our priorities are in the first place cuz meeting people's eyes that of people that have met your heart and when you close your eyes you feel their heart and they feel yours are the people that are the things that we should be nurturing if we have the opportunity for it and so I spoke to one of my other friends who was in San Francisco, and he's very close with our friend as well, too. I say San Francisco, but he is, he's in the desert. He's from Miami originally, and we'll just say California. And he is a mentor, a guide who was playing a similar role as me for the, our friend, but in a different way. He has very, it doesn't matter what he does, he has a very profound Presence and impact on myself and our friend, who's our mutual friend. And so we decided to go out and see him. I had been working heavily for three months, and my frustration had been when I was getting there would I be able to be present with him? And we flew out there, and one of our other friends, who happened to be in Squamish as well, who's a close friend of his, now us three are all deciding to go in a car, drive almost five hours east from Vancouver to go to where he was in this beautifully set area near the hospital that he was getting treatment. At this time, he had stopped doing chemotherapy because he was getting good signs that the tumor markers were coming down, that he wanted to treat the rest of it himself. He was having such difficulty with identifying who he was, feeling his sense of self, And that is one of the many things that cancer can bring up. And I think that it was spilling into a lot of the existential challenges that come up with when you are feeling the fear of your mortality. And very few get to touch it. And I can say that I have when I was 20, and maybe that's a story for another time, but it was not to the degree that he was experiencing. So when we drove in, we got there, and there was a list of food that he'd asked for us to get for him and they were very health oriented foods. And I could completely understand why someone is choosing all these health choices. And it was a reminder because I often do that, but then I'm lax on it. But the prioritization of our beautiful vessel, our body is like, it's up to us and it's an opportunity for us in every moment to choose the thing that is the most nutritive and healthy, is our body saying yes in this moment type thing? Is our mind saying yes? Is our soul, is our spirit saying yes? And when I, arrived, when I arrived there, we drove right to the next the side of the house. And the road is in between the home where he was staying and the lake. And this lake is beautiful how it is stretched out steps away. Yet it was very difficult for him and almost impossible for him to take steps down there because where the tumor was situated in his body, the faculty of movement was hindered as a result of the pain and the location. A man that I could barely keep up with three years ago, snowboarding with him on the mountain, was having a lot of trouble just meeting his basic needs of being able to walk. He was now using a walker. We got in there. And I got in and we all came through the door and he was sleeping initially and he turns to us. He had this meditative music playing in the background. See the table just filled with certain things to help him with pain medication and a heating pad. He's wrapped up in a blanket and he's in a very contorted position that he's trying to find some position that's comfortable to lay in. You can imagine if you're laying in bed and you're trying to find that comfortable spot, imagine never finding it. It's That's what it looked like. When we got there, he turns over and we give him a beautiful, I felt like I gave him a hug that I just sank into. And I expect, I anticipate potential emotions to come through as sharing this because a part of me is reliving it as I share and I met his eyes, and I could see the journey that he had been on. He was scared. He was happy to see us. He was scared, though. We gave him a deep hug. We just I just put my hand onto his skin, onto his arm, onto his body. You're feeling the frailty of an individual in cancer and going through the treatments, and a lot of his body having really responded rather profoundly to, to the treatments and what that the impact it has on appetite, but even more than that, the impact it has on the perception of self, the sense of self, the experience of self. And I feel like he really needed us to be there. I'm not sure who had been there before, but I feel that every man, and even woman, requires And it benefits significantly from moments of solitude and nurturing brotherhood or sisterhood where you can be unconditionally witnessed by the people who are around you without the threat of being ostracized or shamed or belittled for sharing your challenges, your insecurities, the points that you're feeling stuck where where you may be perceiving shame. That's a necessity. And maybe where I differentiate solitude, solitude is not loneliness. It is not aloneness. Loneliness is I am feeling apart from myself and I may be feeling apart from others. Aloneness is I am with myself. Solitude is I'm with myself and I am feeling nurtured and safe to be connected to me. And nurturing is... Brotherhood is having that type of opportunity to be in those contemplative spaces with all of the unknowns coming up and having a space to unconditionally be witnessed as you dialogue it through and potentially have moments of silence where all of the pains potentially break through. So I had my friend and we had him close and we all gave him our hugs. and we went to the table and we sat down And he started speaking, and I think he was having, finding his bearings as well, too. And I put my arm onto his left trapezius, like the left part up here of his shoulder. And he just sunk into it. He just sunk into my arms, into my hand, and we got quiet. And... It was really beautiful because the other men as well, too, were quiet and contemplative and in pause at his pace. And I could feel him softening in. And for an hour, if not more, we were quiet, immobile, and just in each other's presence. And he finally, he had these moments intermittently of closing his eyes and opening it. And finally, just saying thank you. And then we went around and we sat and we started eating. But it was one of the longest, almost sense of timeless moments that I had to pause with one of my friends. And interestingly, I had certain thoughts going through my head that then he said, I heard you saying that as you were saying it. While I was holding his left trapezius, I'm like, should I maybe switch my hands to go to the right? Because maybe we need to balance it out. Maybe this is hurting him because it's the left side. He's I heard that. <laughs> and he also told me that because uh, I told him, I bet you these guys are all thinking that I'm the first one that's going to break. Gonna break the silence, but it's not going to be me. And this was one of the thoughts processes that I was going through it. And it almost brought hilarity or laughter at the time, but I didn't externalize it. And he's I heard that as well, too. Now, how you receive that is, is up to you, but there are moments that when you are deeply connected with people, you have inexplicable yet undeniable experiences, and that was one of them for me. We were nurturing time and presence and connection with him, dialoguing on some of the things that he was feeling challenged with throughout the weekend. Oh, sorry. The total of four nights and five days that we were there with him, we held space. We went on little journeys together. One of my fr- and when we went, we took him to this peninsula that initially was just overlooking the water, but he wasn't able to get out, and it wasn't a safe place for us to walk. So, we recorded some of the audio waterside, and then brought that back. And as a side note, the sound of ice that's broken up and is coming upon the edge of the beach that's hitting all the other ice that's accumulated does one of the most beautiful noises that I'd never heard up to that point. And sharing that with him was a beautiful little gift. We came back and it was important to in those spaces dialogue where people are feeling potentially stuck where they have repressed some things where they're feeling shame where they're feeling like they can't go on their own, and they need support to dialogue. And then there are just witnessing the raw humanness of the difficulty of things that we take for granted, that when you have it potentially taken away how difficult it can be. And I know that during this time that I was there. I was oscillating between the healthcare provider that knows how to support people and their health needs and then delegating when necessary or in my instance where I have a friend of mine who is relatable in age to me. He is relatable in his capacity to be curious about the world and his endeavors and how he interacts with his children and his wife are all things that I find relatability to. It dissolved the separation that I normally can carry with patients, and I felt really immersed and intertwined with my friend here. And I would catch these beautiful moments of the sun gazing through the window onto how he appeared in reflection. No hair as a result of the chemotherapy. He went from a very long haired man to hairless. You were seeing the almost the juxtaposition of shadow and bone and skin meeting the and the line of that that like just creates the contours of our face that in our expression of smile or sorrow or difficulty are all expressed there but in his state was hyper-accentuated because you would see there were so little barriers in between what one expression was to the other. Or maybe I was just paying more attention, as I say that out loud, because I was that much more attentive to the qualities of the moments. My friend who was there had curated certain playlists that were very deep and immersive and intentional that had him connecting to almost the wallpaper of music that is created in as the backdrop to particular moments. And I feel that what we did that weekend was important in the way that if I was in that position, it would be one of the most important things that I feel that I could have experienced, which was the sense of not being alone, having community, having people that love me, having support in the face of uncertainty and that one of the other my one of my other brothers who was there as well too had organized an individual who was an indigenous chief who has his feet in the western world medicine and the indigenous medicine and at the time my friend had been having a lot of hesitance about going back to chemotherapy and trusting oncology because when he found out that the surgery had been incomplete and there was persistence of it, he felt initially devastated. When he was feeling the chemo, he was feeling that there was a component of it being out of integrity for him. And so he was very against it. And you can imagine if you're taking something in and you are having a fight or flight response because of how concerned you are for it, there's an element of at least I'm curious if we it affects us a little differently versus if we're open and receptive to it. But the way that this chief had so gracefully spoken to us and he offered his time to speak to all four of us, he spoke about witnessing oncological miracles of individuals who had been stage three, stage four, and had certain interventions in place with Western medicine and with indigenous medicine that ended up being inexplicably yet undeniably put into remission. And that was a really important primer for my friend to have support for him to believe that he could endure and receive the medicine in a different way, a different relationship to it. And over those four days, I felt that we revitalized his humanness to a degree in the face of existential reflections and how he was in relation to the identity of a man who provides for his children and for his partner and for himself and for the world, who he is and what would happen in relation to him and his, re- and his identity to his partner. What about his identity as father? When there is a possibility of no longer being able to be in that role, not just by choice, but as a result of the finiteness of our human experience, see that in someone's eyes and see if that's something that we can just easily brush off and say that's not important. I'd argue that purpose is life through you and purposefulness are all of the things that you do to optimize the experience in the world and the environment that your future purpose, which is life through you, ends up coming to live and experience. We'll unwrap that in future ones, which is purposefulness versus purpose. But that was an important dialogue for me to be having with my, my, my friend because
1: I shared with him
0: that there have been instances at the hospital where people will come in running in as their family members are on their deathbeds and people will be running in and you'll see them touch their the bodies of the family members kissing loving saying things being in deep emotions beyond the words inexplicable pain inexplicable love inexplicable just presence that for them may be so foreign because there was these things these stories that were in the way that now as mortality came upon them and the illusion of immortality and having time was dissolved all they wanted to do was connect all they wanted was more moments of immersion and connection and love and maybe meeting the eyes of the individual that who who may pass once more not saying my friend was there but having those important dialogues were the ones that had him, I think, brace a new anchor of strength within himself that he knows that his friends are nearby and that life is beautiful, independent of the time. And on the last day that we were coming back, we did a fire ceremony, which was we rolled him down on his wheelchair across the water, down this little path, And one of my friends who has been a firekeeper for the indigenous community in Squamish recently has set up a fire and it was very intentional and we all came close and we're sitting by the water and the elements are upon us. It's cold. It's the water's there. There's a beautiful musical melody that's there of the sound of nature There are people in the distance intermittently walking by, the sounds of a car or two driving by, but it's us, it's the fire cracking, it's the beauty of the contemplation that happens around the fire that we all had the opportunity to do. And we, again, had us, like we did at my cottage with those 10 men, an intentional process around the fire of burning what no longer serves us, thanking it, Thanking the elements and thanking life and nature itself. (sighs) Gratitude for life. And seeing my friend who in his wheelchair by the fire is... completely dependent on us to move him around he beautifully contributed his piece of the fire to the fire and i reflected upon when i was coming to this trip was in coming to see my friend was i coming to say goodbye i've had recent deaths in my life regarding with respect to my grandmother about two months ago and my uncle last month and the thought and the feeling of death is close it's always present in the hospital but again that veil of separations there and if i if this were to be a goodbye what a beautiful man to have but what a beautiful moment to have shared with someone in general, and in, there's a belief when you experience certain things like we do that I guess I can't share so much yet, but in many instances, it's not really goodbye. It's see you laters. And I'm not saying that's the case now. He can make a full recovery, but that was something that had crossed my mind at the time. We gave our, our hugs. We tucked him into the couch that he would be in where his mom and dad would be coming to help him again as they have been lovingly for the past year. And we said our goodbyes and felt into every moment. I let my senses like soak in the smell, the touch, the taste of every food in the moment, in it to a degree that I don't normally give myself permission and space for. And after I closed the door and we got in our car, I turned on the car and I went back to the window where he was and I looked at him with just a pure smile on my face and he gave me a beautiful smile back and I walked back to the car feeling a timeless moment looking up at the water and I drove back and with my two other friends, we were quiet and then in intermittent contemplation and reflection about some of the early things that were coming up with this, with this experience that we had just had in support of a man that we love dearly and are rooting for. And have a lot of hope that we entrusted that the medicine of our presence and who we are were helpful in reinvigorating the energy that can exist within him. Namely, him not feeling like he's alone in this process and having an opportunity to come to peace with some of the places that he had fallen out of his capacity to be most robust and available to. On my flight home, I started thinking about the illusions that we live by. And there are many but there were 10 that really stood out to me, and I'm going to read them to you. When I'm pausing right now, it's a moment really to digest because as I was sharing that thus far in honoring privacy and alleviating the details of some of the things that did come up, The rest of my inner world shows a lot of that to me. And there's a lot of feelings that can be in relative overwhelm. Because fuck do we make life complicated? And is life complicated when it doesn't need to be to this degree? It can be complicated but navigatable in many instances. But there are these unnecessary hindrances that create charge And hindrance to the life experience that is an absolute robbery. And so, these illusions that I'm going to share are more so catalysts of consideration. They're not intentions of blame. I'm not trying to point anyone out and say, you're out of, you're not grateful because of this. Now, these are illusions that we carry, including myself, that I'm humbled into their intermittent dissolution. When they are intermittently dissolved, We see past the ego to the reality of something that's closer to true nature. But that true nature is truly undefinable. But uh, there's a sense of what it is beyond this. And so here's my list of top 10 biggest illusions. The first one is the illusion of tomorrow. There are no guarantees that exists for any of us. I've met and supported many people who woke up not knowing that was the last time that they would be in that bed, last time that they would see their loved one, last time that they would see their child, last time that they'd see themselves in the mirror, their pet, last time they'd get in the car. These are realities that wake us up. Period. See, I said period, and that's something from voice to texting that I'm so used to doing. So the second illusion is that we have our next breath. Your next breath is never guaranteed, nor is anyone else's. You are in contract with your physiology and the environment to sustain life through that breath. And when that contract is broken, life ceases. So take a deep breath, hold it in. Let out a deep physiological sigh of gratitude as you taste the beauty. And the gift is that there's this beautiful automatism that has that guiding you in relation to life. Trust that breath, appreciate that breath, and remembering that no breath is guaranteed to anybody. Next illusion that we can all attest to is our health. There are no guarantees that it'll get better or stay as it is. See a stroke patient, an accident, a heart attack, cancer, injury, trauma, death, instantly redefine what health is. See your loved one incapacitated in a particular way and acknowledge health in a very different element. We spend our health to make it in life, then we spend what's made to get health back Kamal Ravikant has this saying in a book that says, love yourself like your life depends on it. And that is an element to consider in all aspects of our health. There's this illusion that we have, which is number four, that our loved ones will always be there. Time with others is never guaranteed. The last text, the last hug, the last kiss, the last I love you, the last trip, the last goodbye. The last moment your eyes meet. Are your connections in order? Address that grudge and reconnect. Tell them how grateful you are for them and how much you love them. That phone call can mean the world. It can change their entire experience of it. Another illusion that we have in line with health is functioning faculties. You don't appreciate what you have until it's gone. Having a functioning, adaptive, pulmonary, cardiovascular, nervous system, limbs, consciousness, senses, range of motion, sight, smell, touch, taste, ability to speak and hear, memory retrieval. These are all functioning capacities and faculties that we take for granted and that are enormous to have as a moment of gratitude over and over again. I have a friend recently who was roughly my age who had an experience where he went to the bathroom in the morning. He's younger than me. And he went to grab his toothbrush and he couldn't. And he looked at his arm and it wasn't moving. And he went to tell his wife and then he tried to communicate, but he wasn't making any sense. And then he was able to regain his functioning capacities and brush it off it happened again and then it happened again and thankfully there was a cause that was found for it and it didn't have a debilitating permanent consequence but in that moment he tasted what faculties feel like when they are taken from them anyone who's been injured can attest to what it feels like when you suddenly can't do a thing or someone who's sleep deprived and can't remember a certain thing that they are trying to remember These are small examples of many how important our faculties are, especially for them to be functioning and optimal. Love them. The next illusion is immortality. You will die and can long before you expect. I'll reiterate that again. You will die and you can long before you expect. We have this illusion that painfully dissolves when... The individual nearly dies or a loved one or a close friend or a relatable individual or someone who we've got complex dies. Think of the celebrity who passes away that suddenly shakes you to your core and you feel your mortality and how fragile life is. Why is that the case? It's because for a moment you were carrying yourself, living immortal. The next illusion is eternal time. This one's different from immortality because with eternal time, the reason you don't prioritize the things that don't matter sooner is because you think you have time. Our mind doesn't say you'll never write that masterpiece. It says, I'll do it tomorrow as if tomorrow exists. Remember illusion number one. You may not be able to make it up to that person or even yourself. So don't wait for that deathbed awareness or for someone or some tragedy to knock you across the face. Do it, express it, say it now in integrity of course if you're trying to creep someone that you're going to be stepping over a boundary it's worth reconsidering how you remain in integrity while still expressing it to them in a way that they can receive it in integrity as well the next illusion is certainty the only certainty is death and that you once came to be people places things resources finances Faculties, life, freedoms, capacities, friends, lovers, your job can all change in a moment. Practice navigating your adaptation to uncertainty because that'll make you more available to the moments where the certain becomes uncertain. The next illusion is who you think you are. You're not that. That you is a bunch of conditioning patterns of thinking, feeling, beliefs, experiences, doings, judgments, and evaluations that is collectively called the identity. Impermanent in the ever-moving stream of life though, a few defective or diverted neuronal signalings away from grasp, meaning that a few things don't function well and then your sense of who that identity is completely destabilized. This can be situational or environmental. Or it can be something that happens organically as an insult to the brain, meaning something like stroke or lack of oxygen or a head injury or some other thing, a bleed. Anything can happen. I'm going to read the last two for you to consider. As I'm recording this, I'm realizing like it doesn't have the impact as how I feel it within me and as how I share it because there's... When I write these down, especially the way that I wrote it for this one in particular, was for one of the social media pages that have a limit to characters. So it robs some of the substance for what I'm sharing. So I'll just say that one of the illusions that we have is who we aren't. And it takes a lot of self-exploration for us to know who we aren't. We come to know who we are in many instances in relation to coming to see who we aren't. And because we are tribalistically wired... We come to know in relation first, I am here because those individuals are there or that thing is there, that belief is there, that belief is not mine. So my beliefs are here and you come to realize that's elements of your identity and that illusion dissolves when you cannot grasp onto your identity because in the face of potential mortality... Your identity saying, hey, the tools that I had in order to help me survive are not helping me right now. So I'm on free fall of all of the things. And that's where you come to realize in a very confronting way, if you haven't spent any time with it, who you aren't. I'm going to end this podcast by asking you to reflect on the appreciation for the life that you have right now for the people, places, things, environments that you get to nurture and get to experience, that you, your relationship to your gratitude for life. If today were to be a day that you got a devastating diagnosis or something around you in your life, had you reconsider everything, not how would you navigate it, but have you spent any time with that consideration? Because when we do, we have this depth of gratitude that surfaces to such a high degree. And it is a gift that we end up giving to ourself, to our loved ones, and to the world when we spend time exploring these illusions and the appreciation for the finiteness of life. If there's a phrase that you can consider, it's that you are an improbable being living on an improbable planet. And I'd argue at one of the most improbably incredible times where you're literally digesting this through some type of technology that is allowing you to catch what I have already said, recorded, uploaded, and then put somewhere for your convenience to listen to. We're living at such an incredible time to be able to witness the cosmos and its depth. but We have a depth within us as well, too, which is as much the cosmos. We pay homage to my friend, actually, by taking the time to pause after this experience, contemplate, digest, and integrate our lives. And maybe we can do a little reorientation and reflecting on some of the difficult things about what life means to us, how we want to carry our life, and how we are exploring and maybe grateful and accepting of our journey thus far, how we've healed some of the things that are potentially standing in our way, and if we've gotten clear on maybe the most important things that aren't dictated to us, but they're felt knowings within. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. I know that I bounced around everywhere, but there was important elements of consideration that are brought forth, and I think it, it adds an element of chaos and clarity, which is the spectrum of the human experience anyway, and I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast, and please take the time to digest some of the reflections that have come up, and honoring the symbolism of what I intended to share through the story of my friend that is to be considered for your life specifically, how it can reorient you to greater gratitude and appreciation and considerations of how you want to relate to yourself, to your loved ones, and to the world. Thanks for tuning in. Consider leaving a review and rating the podcast. I'm not going to tell you what to rate. You do as you feel. And please, before this podcast ends and you go on to the next thing, Take three to five minutes in silence to allow some of the information that you heard to be contemplated, digested, and integrated. To the degree that every experience has a moment to actually have it be processed, it has a greater chance for it to be instilled into your life. I wish the rest of your day and week is beautiful. Take care, remain curious, and don't forget to play.